In the following live session recording, Nick Duke, state missionary with Georgia Baptist Mission Board, talks about church sound technicians. Church sound technicians have a tough job. The technology changes rapidly and comprehensive training is often hard to find. Fortunately, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board is making changes to allow these kinds of resources to be more readily available to churches and their teams. This session will be a discussion on the resources, gear, practices, and ongoing training that is needed to be effective as a church sound technician. Let's join Nick now. Sounds good. So, um, well, a lot of what I want to do today is, is just kind of going through, um, talking through, like, what is our job as sound guys? Um, and I know I'm, I'm talking to some worship leaders, but that, that, I think it's really important as worship leaders and pastors uh, to unify your team from front from the front of the room to the back of the room, um, and be able to speak the same language. Um, I, it, I, there's a lot of tension uh, that that gets um, gets put into our Sunday mornings when uh, there's a misunderstanding between um, not speaking the same language, not seeing the same perspective, um, and and that's just really unfortunate to me. Uh, I, I I think we should all be serving the same goal and, and serving the same mission and so if, if there's bickering and stuff like that just because of a lack of understanding there's a problem there and so I, I'm, I'm excited that you guys are here because i'm hoping that that translates to your guys um situation so we're gonna be talking about just some basics of audio uh reinforcing probably some of what you already know but maybe learning a couple things along the way uh and just kind of talking what's the point and the purpose and then i'm gonna i'll leave a lot of space at the end so we can just chat about your situation uh and ways that we can something that you can tangibly take home with you um as far as takeaways and that sort of thing. So first thing is, what is our goal? Um, what, why, um, what's the point of having an audio mixer? Like what, as, um, I'd love to hear your perspective and a, and a worship leader perspective. Oh, as far as having an audio mixer? Yeah, I mean, what, what's the point? Man, you need, you need a broad brush. A, a cohesive sound across the whole frequency spectrum, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you've got, you got shrill singers over here, and you've got the boom boom over here. You just need to kind of need to flatten it out. So mm -hmm. that's what we're there. We're here there, and I can, and a good sound guy can really enhance the worship service. There's some little tricks here and there that you you just follow the service, and, and the mix breathes. You got to make the right. mix breathe, and if it doesn't breathe and just stays static, then it's just going nowhere. That's right. But uh, what are we there for? I mean, I'm there to make them sound good. That's why I'm there. Okay. Cool. What's, give, me, give me your perspective. What's, what's an audio guy's job? Well, in our situation, <laughs> and with the training level our people have, uh, the main goal is not, not to be, for the sound not to be distracting, <laughs> to make sure that, you know, uh, that everything's heard, nothing's too loud. Right. And that, um, you know, that way the focus can be on the Lord and yeah. not on feedback and whatever else might be going on. No doubt. Yeah, so there, there's a, a level of engagement that takes place um, when, when there's no distractions, when, when, all of those, uh, when all the pieces of the puzzle blend together and, uh, and serve to, to engage a congregation and translate what uh, the musicians are doing on, on the platform uh, taking all that together, blending it all together, making it making it sonically pleasing to the ear, 
um, and then come out of your main speakers in a way that engages the congregation. That's what I want to I want to like underline and, and highlight is our job is to engage the congregation uh, in worship. And so I, I really treat uh, anytime I'm a worship leader myself, and the only reason I learned sound is because I wanted to have a good sound. Uh, and I, I never was able to get that out of uh, some of the guys that I, I had un, under my leadership. Uh, and so I was like, I'm gonna learn sound. And I found love with it and I really have enjoyed it um, a lot. And so um, part of what I get to do every day for my job is to do both. And so to teach sound and to teach worship. And I, and I, I, I see this as very um, similar jobs. Um, now one is, one is a fully serving at role where you stay, like the more you stay in the background, the better you've done. Um, kind of what you're saying, like my job is to, to help them translate what they're trying to get on, off the platform uh, well. Uh, and the other one is very vocal and very out front. And so they're two different things completely. But same goal, same goal. My job is to translate music in a way that's going to engage a congregation uh, in worship and, and have them be rid of all the distractions that would be there uh, in a way that puts heart, puts head with heart and... Um, and help us to feel what we know is true in, 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 the, in the scriptures. And so, um, so yeah, so our, our job is to uh, it, blend all that together, to put it all together into uh, to engage our congregation. I, I treat my sound guy like I treat any one of my musicians. Anytime I travel and do music somewhere, uh, my sound guy is a band member of mine. And, and um, because how could I, so if you, if you went and led worship at another church, um, and you just rolled in and expected them to know your stuff and know how you operated, it would be a disaster. I mean, expect that band just to know how you led us. It takes time to blend that together and to be a part of that as a musician. Um, so, I, so a sound guy is very much a part of that. This is a musical instrument. It takes uh, it takes an ear, a musical ear, to know what it should sound like in order to manipulate all this stuff to get it to sound right. Um, and so, it really is a musician thing. I mean, against any sort of. Um, uh, there, I'm not saying that that video isn't artistry. It absolutely is artistry. But this is, but sound is a musician artistry where you have to know it sounds good. You know, you have to have a goal in mind in order to get that sound to sound that way. Does that make sense? All right. So that that's kind of that's the goal. The goal is to to, to engage our congregation. So we're going to talk qu- quickly about how sound works. Um, and you probably guys, this is probably going to be like entry level for you. Again, we last week we were talking, uh, and the guy like had no clue. So um, so sound. Uh, so we have uh, what is this? A speaker, right? So um, we have speakers and we have microphones, right? So we have um, sources and we have projection of said sources. So we have, um, this is essentially, if I took all these little components off of, this is a standard SM58 microphone that um, everybody from Aerosmith to um, you name it has sung in one of these. Uh, If I took the capsule off of this and took all that that little foam off of it, um, it would look very similar to what the little tiny speakers in this uh, look like. They're just little coils, I'm sorry, they're they're just little cones that uh, take in acoustical information uh, and translate it onto a little magnet, which is electrical information, uh, and translate that over a big long speaker uh, uh, microphone cable. It gets translated by this thing we call a mixing console back out of this into a big power amplifier which then gets translated out. Everybody familiar with that? Did I go through that too fast? Familiar with that enough? Like plug a microphone in, goes to the board, gets boosted a little bit, translated by all the EQs and all that stuff, comes out, big boom, we're there, right? So um, so we have speakers and microphones, but what, one of the cool things that, uh, when I went to school for, for audio technology, um, my professor did for us to kind of illustrate that point is he plugged in a pair of headphones 
um, into the into the back of the console, and he just cranked up the gain and started singing into the headphones, and sound came out just like a microphone. It is, it, it's all just copper wire coils and, and cones. <laughs> That's really all it is. Uh, now some, some sound better than others for certain different reasons, but uh, yeah, that, that's essentially all it is. It's, it, and the only reason I bring that up is to kind of demystify some things. It's not some crazy arbitrary process that happens. It, it, it's just simple. Um, how do we measure audio? Anybody know? Decibels. Decibels. Uh, so that's our loudness measurement. What are some other measurements that we can take on audio? You have the EQ, which is the, like all the different ones, right? Getting them all. Frequencies, right. So we have, we have hertz, which are frequencies, and we have decibels, which are our volumes. And so um, I have, I have a, uh, a slide in a little bit that I'll, I'll get to, but that, that's just familiarizing terms, kind of getting those, those kinds of things in our head. So we have decibels, which are volumes, um, frequencies, which tell us where in, those, that, in that spectrum of sound that we're going to hear. Um, very good. Um, has anybody heard of this word, I mean, this phrase, gain structure? What is gain structure? This is, we're getting a little deeper here. Gain structure? Um, gain, gain, yeah. So what is, yeah, what is gain? It's basically how much power you're applying to each uh, channel. Is that? Yeah, that's a great way to say that. Absolutely. Um, the way I like to illustrate this a lot um, when I teach my audio classes is uh, I, I like to say that audio flows like, a, like, like water. Uh, imagine you had a fire hydrant in your front yard, and this is my, uh, this is my fun little PowerPoint skills here. Uh, imagine you had a fire hydrant in your front yard that had a spigot off of it, like, your, like a garden hose. And you took a garden hose um, and you hooked it up to your, uh, your sprinkler in your front yard. Sprinkler in your front yard, there it is. Um, it, what would happen if you cranked the spigot up all the way from a fire hydrant pressure through your garden hose to this. Your sprinkler would explode. Something right? would explode, right? <laughs> so there's too much pressure in that hose. So um, similarly, if I take an XLR cable uh, and I plug it into the back of a console and plug it into a microphone, and I crank it up as much as it can go. Um, something's not going to actually explode, but we're going to have something called distortion. Uh, that is an explosion of, of audio. Like that, that, nothing is good of that unless it's in a guitar amp. That, that's a different subject altogether. Um, so, but gain structure is gain structure is, is how like what steps and what processes um, does the pressure or do, does the signal path um, go through in order to get from this acoustic source to this one. Uh, and so this is the gain structure of your system. So this is uh, what pressures, pressure points go throughout your system. So we have um, the gain knob, which is at the, at the top, which you were talking about. Every channel has a gain knob, right? Um, so that's, that's your spigot on the, on the, the fire hydrant. That's, that's controlling how much power we're getting from this guy uh, and putting through our system. Um, but, but the reason that's important is we have to send that signal off to a bunch of different places, typically. So typically, I'm going to take a pastor's mic and I'm going to put it to the nursery, to the choir monitors. Uh, we're going to put it into uh, personal monitors like inner monitors or floor wedges or something like that. Um, and so if you don't have appropriate pressure, if you barely put enough in there to hear it, then when you try to boost that junk all the way across your whole system, you're just going to get a lot of noise. It's going to sound like... You can barely hear it in their mouth. I was trying to boost that up where you could hear it. We hear a lot more noise. Um, let me do this. See if I can get something out of that. 
That's called a noise floor. So that, that what I'm doing is just putting useless gain into my system. That, that's just extra sound, extra noise that's going to happen into my system. Does that make sense? So, so gain structure is just talking about all the little points that it has to go through that the signal is going to get boosted to use for different purposes. Okay? Um, another point of gain is in your EQ. You boost and you, you add and subtract gain by adding and subtracting um, EQ. So for instance, uh, let me just go to... So if I take, if I reduce the gain of the high frequencies, the treble, that's, that's reducing gain on a specific frequency of that channel. Does that make sense? And I, I've hooked this up earlier, and I think my I think this woofer is blown because it's only coming out of here. So if it sounds really terrible, I'm sorry about that. Um, so so when we we're going to get to EQ in just a second, but that that is a gain point of your of your channel. So if you have a lot of gain boosted on your main a main preamp gain here, uh, and then you start adding a lot of extra gain into your your EQ, you can start experiencing distortion uh, just by boosting all these extra things. Does that make sense? With me on that. Is that the same as trim or is it different? Trim is a, um, like if you're in a complex system, trim is, is a way to um, get your gain structure set well here. And then, tr then it's basically a second point of adjustment okay. um, beyond the, the main signal path. Does that make sense? So for instance, that, that would be helpful um, if I put my trim, um, like if 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 I if I wanted to put my trend, like if I wanted to have my gain right here, send it to nursery, I send it to choir monitors, and then I could put it in the path right here, where I wanted to dip, would trim that down because it's blowing out their ear inner monitors or something like that. It's a tr it's a trim in, within that signal path, uh, and you really only experience those. Well, I take it back. Some some consoles call trim gain, and they treat it very much the same. Uh, and that's just a terminology of the manufacturer. Um, so some, some will call it that, and some will put it as the gain knob of a line level signal, which we'll talk about in just a second as well. Um, I guess I can go ahead and say that. So th this, is, this is called a mic level signal, it, meaning it, it's only gonna give me uh, a tiny little bit of signal out of this thing until I boost it on the gain. But if I hooked up a keyboard to that exact same signal, I'm sure you've experienced that before, it's going to go boom, like, because what's coming out of that keyboard is a line level signal. It's a much hotter signal. Uh, and so when you, when you'll see a, a lot of times you'll, you can switch your, your preamp from, or you'll have two different inputs on the back. One is a mic level, one's a line level. Um, they go ahead and trim your line level down to be appropriate for the, for the signal path that way. Does that make sense? Cool. Um, so yeah, that, that's, Gain structure is is really just that it's it's getting the the pressures right in the in the hose of your system so to speak, uh, and then once it comes out you're gonna go to this uh, and and inside of your speaker or inside of your speaker rack that you're for your main speakers you have the big uh, amplifiers uh, and those aren't preamplifiers those are amplifiers and those are really what's taking um, uh, what would be a drip of a water hose and turning it into the Hoover Dam and it's it's really it's boosting it from way down here to potential sound being way up here. Does that make sense? Um, so that's, that's what that is, that's what gain structure is. If you see that, that, that um, terminology, that's what that is. It's just dealing with the, the, the again, 
pressure, if we're using that analogy, the pressure of the system throughout the, the throughout your signal path. All right, um, signal flow. This is slightly different, and this is dealing with the components within the path that the, that the sound is traveling through. So um, one of the things is, is equalization. We, we call it EQ. Uh, somebody give me a good definition of an EQ, if you can. You get your different frequencies where the whatever is coming through sounds the best. Yeah. The clearest and... Yeah, so they, they literally designed it because they... They had they, um, back when they were kind of developing all this technology. They uh, they designed it because they would take a, a a good microphone and it sounds great on a voice, but then they put it on a piano and it kind of has this weird tone to it. So like, what can, how can we shape that differently? So they created these uh, what were called shelving EQs, or um, and and they would have like it would just literally be these fixed positions of like low, high, or bass, or treble, or low frequency, high frequency, and you just boost. Or you cut. There was two different knobs. There's like a boost knob and a cut knob, uh, and uh, that really kind of set the trajectory of what we now have, which is called a parametric EQ, which is like like surgery for <laughs> for an audio source. You can really dig through and, and make something sound very particular, which is interesting. But yeah, you're you're exactly right. So it's it's uh, adjusting uh, gain based on frequency. So this is a little screenshot from an, of an app that I use a lot. Um, uh, when I'm when I'm mixing in front of house or something, um, that that shows me the full spectrum. Does anybody know what the full spectrum is from here, this adjustment down here to this adjustment up here? What those what those frequencies are called? I remember what those frequency numbers are. Twenty hertz, twenty Thank you. Yeah, so twenty to twenty k is what is what we we'll see a lot of times. So that even if you buy like a set of Bose headphones, if you look on the package on the back, it'll say twenty to twenty k. That's and that's the, the reason is is that's what the human ear at its best can hear. Um, my kids can fully hear that. Uh, I've tested them on that. Um, and my dad can't hear past like thirteen k right now. Um, and we were messing with like a dog whistle thing at um, back at Christmas a while back. <laughs> we were like messing with like the like the little frequency sweep thing and um and my dad couldn't hear past 13k but I, I can still hear pretty much up to 20k ish um but as you get older that the, the the ability to hear that upper end starts to go down and down and down and the more you're exposed to loud noises over the over the course of time the faster that goes down um uh, we have a we had a um a sound guy at a church that will be um that will remain nameless that their sound guy was a previously a helicopter um, repairman. And so like, he was in extremely loud environments all the time. He just couldn't hear quite hardly anything. Um, and so uh, it's, that's sad, but that's, that's just how it is. And so it, knowing that information, though, um, even affects the way I'll, I'll mix a, uh, a service. Like if I'm mixing for primarily an older congregation, I'm going to take a lot of the low-end stuff down, and I'm going to make everything really bright uh, because that, that's going to sound great to them. That's why, that's why um, I've had, I mean, I just have so many um, older folks complain about the subs in our church um, because it's, that's, that's what is so prevalent in their ears. That's all they can really hear. Um, that's not all they can hear, but that's what stands out so much more to them than my ears. And so I, you got to be kind of sensitive to who you're, who you're uh, running sound for. So that's another, another key component to that. Um, so yeah, so 20 hertz is going to be all this stuff down here. And the, 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 the signal path really breaks it up in a couple, uh, four different ways. Um, so we say 
in your car, it's probably just lows, mids, and highs, right? Or bass, mids, and treble. Uh, that's what you're, that's the thing you're most familiar with, or you like just boost the treble in the bass and everything else sounds really good. Um, that's what Bose does. They just boost the treble in the bass and call it Bose. Um, the, the, so, but the, we, the, a typical pro audio system will, will say low frequency, low mid, high mid, and high. So it breaks that mid section up into two sections. And that's really important because um, those have two very different tonal characteristics. Um, if on an analog console, do you, do you guys have a, a parametric of four EQ? Four? Yeah, with a super bowl. Yeah, this, yeah. So some of the like the lower end, uh, I know all those Allen and Heaths still have the four parametric with the two or the two middle ones are adjustable. Um, the like some of the really low end like consumer level audio sound consoles will only just have the three adjustments, um, and that's just. Uh, it's unfortunate because it's like they're picking their, your adjust. It's like buying a, um, it's like, I don't know, like buying an instrument and like they're, they're putting their, the sound in it for you. You're not buying, you're not being able to shape it yourself, you know? Um, that's probably not a, bad, a good analogy, but, uh, so what, what's amazing about this is that, I mean, I can really fully d dig into this and say, like, if this right here, if I'm looking at this right here, that is just below 54 hertz that is boosted above everything else down here. So if that's like a, a, a feedback tone that's happening in my system where a mic's going, I can go to, I can go dial in exactly 54 hertz and, and adjust the, the EQ right on that spot. Um, and so that's what makes it so valuable to have these, the, the adjustments um, very, very specific to this, is I can look in and, and really dig through and, and adjust those things very particularly. Um, when I, I was mixing the, <laughs> I got thrown into mixing uh, this, the first session in there, and that was the first time I heard, I mean, when they started playing was the first time I heard any sound um, in that system. So I was like dialing it in, and so the first thing I heard was his, his voice kind of sounded muddy. So there was like a little bit of a, um, a low mid uh, range that was just way too much. So the first thing I did was I went to about 250 uh, in this range right here, and I just scooped a little bit of that out. And what that does is I, I just, because I've done it a ton of times, I know that low mid is gonna be a kind of a nasally sound. Um, and then the second thing I did uh, was when she, uh, the female vocalist led What a Beautiful Name, it was very bright and very, um, a little bit piercing. A little harsh. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so then I would go to, and again, it wasn't the best it probably could ever sound, but um, uh, I would go to the high mids. So that high mid section is going to be right in this, and again, this is just basic parameters, uh, right in this like 1K to 1500 <laughs> range right here. Um, and so that, that's really going to start scooping some of that harsh sound out, out, of, your, out of your system. And, and even if you don't dig into like dialing in exact frequencies, that's fine. But if you know that low frequencies is kind of like that bassy, what's coming out of the subwoofers kind of sound, low mid is the nasally sound. So if it sounds like this, there's probably a problem in your low mid range. Um, high mid is the harsh, shrill, kind of piercing sound. And then highs is that kind of, let me just do it real quick. Uh, where's my keyboard? people will call that like breathiness if you put it on a vocalist um, let me just get something
uh, when, when I just boosted that up. Did you hear that? Um, so that's kind of what that is. Um, so you have a, a ton of manipulation with an EQ. It's really, uh, a, a lot of people have called it like the paintbrush of audio where you can really um, shape sound and, and like, like you said earlier, just manipulate the sound in a way that is sonically pleasing and blends everything together. Um, so uh, a couple of quick things on, on EQ because I think it's probably one of the most um, misperceived uh, tools on, on the whole system. Um, a lot of people will go and their first adjustment is like, add to the signal what I want it to sound more like, rather than take away what sounds bad or unnatural in that, that sound signal. Um, and so a lot of times, like uh, the first adjustment is gonna be go to the bass guitar, or bass drum, and like boost low end so that it gets a little bit of thump out of your system. But the, the first thing I typically do on a, on, a, on a kick drum is take away like 150 hertz and like take this little boom, boom. And I, I wish that little subwoofer was working because I could show you exactly what I mean. Um, oh, and it's not going to sound right anyway. So, um, but um, all that to say, uh, the right adjustment might be taking something out, like reducing EQ rather than adding to it. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. So, second part of the signal flow is called dynamics. Um, this is controlling. Uh, just that, the dynamics, the loudness and the softness of the signal. So for, for say, a vocalist, this girl has a really kind of flat voice anyway. I mean, not like, not pitch-wise, but just like, let listen to that. You've all heard like this, the soloist or the soprano voice that like whenever they start really going for it, it just gets from this loud to like this loud. There's that huge dynamic range in the human voice that, oh, Preacher was exactly the point here. So he started off like, and by, the, by that last section, he was yelling at me. Uh, and I was like, so there's a, there's a tool called a compressor on, um, most digital consoles will have this. Um, it is unfortunate that there, it, it is difficult to do on an analog system. It's not impossible, definitely doable, but do, do you guys use the compressors at all? We have compressors on our uh, actual, and it's a digital. Yeah. And, mm. yeah, and a lot of times that, that's basically like, Honestly, if I were running an analog system, I would probably only run it on my main output, yeah. um, just to kind of control that that total volume. But um, it's nice to have it on uh, on a on a digital console. It's nice to have because like I could just go to that particular source and kind of start to compress it. And what, what that essentially does is it uh, as a signal. Let me just show you the di diagram here. So if if this is the quietest point and this is the loudest point. Um, you know, as a signal, as it gets louder, that we can set a threshold point. And what that threshold point does is, as soon as the signal gets to that loudness, it starts to turn it down for me. It's essentially like the computer is sitting there just turning it down. Every time it gets to a certain loudness, it's just turn it down, turn it down, turn it down. Um, it's not a perfect way of saying that, but it, it is essentially what it's doing is it's just kind of 
reducing that gain, reducing it, reducing it, reducing. Um, and and it, as soon as it gets back below that threshold, it goes right back up. It doesn't, doesn't change anything else. So it's just boom, boom, boom. And so it just kind of helps blend that together. Does that make sense? Um, so that's essentially what that is. Uh, it, were y'all running digital consoles at all? Anybody? Is uh, anybody? Uh, you have digital. Do y'all use a compressor at all? Uh, we had somebody come in and set it up, and he set up some compression, but we hadn't deviated yeah. from that. Yeah, it, it's, it is a tricky thing. I mean, it took me a while in school just to, like, mess with it enough to, like, hear what it's doing and, like, being able to tell if something's too compressed or whatever. But uh, there's some good rule of thumbs. I mean, if you if you have a compressor, don't let things compress more than like three to six decibels on a particular channel. So you can you can select the channel and like watch the compression level in it, um, and, and it'll tell you exactly how much it's kind of reducing in that. If it's just squashing it, like if you have a vocalist that's just squashing, just turn that turn that threshold way up, uh, and that'll let, open up that signal path more just to give give them more space there and then just kind of pull it back down to where it's just kind of getting that three to six decibels that's that's really all you're kind of looking for um in that so uh so that, that's, a, that's again another p a piece of the signal flow um and then from there we we took we we split the signal off we we um we send it out of our main speaker uh, we can we can run through auxes and, and send it to a bunch of different signal paths uh, what's really one of the big selling points to me about switching to digital was how great auxiliaries work. Um, it, so if uh, on an analog console you're used to everything kind of being in one line of a signal path and you have your, uh, you know, your uh, Allen and Heath, I think they're like green and yellow, uh, your different auxiliary uh, uh, adjustments. Uh, on this, I, I have my auxes right here. And so what I do is I just hit this button and that, that shows me what I'm mixing auxiliary one to be so if that's my choir monitor if, if aux one is my choir monitor i can see side by side really simply what's being sent to the choir monitor because uh, a lot of times it's like this elusive like there's some noise coming out of the choir monitor that i can't figure out what it is and it's because you're you're, you're having to like go through every channel and be like no 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 and your eyes get crossed and you can't really see really well um but if you, but with this i could just literally hit that button and quickly see across my entire console what's being sent to that choir monitor. And then I can switch to that one, that's aux two, aux three, and I'll hit aux three again and it'll take me back to my main mix. So that's just a really nice feature of, of a lot of digital consoles is having these, these movable faders um, where I can use my auxes that way. It's, it's just a really sweet way to do that. Um, really helpful um, in a lot of ways. And on, on, because they're not limited by space, on a, like an analog console, you have to have a physical knob for every single one of them. A lot of these consoles will come with like 16 mixes versus four or six uh, on a typical analog console. So uh, you might not even need that many, but it's so, so nice to, like if, uh, if you want to run inner monitors, every person on the stage except for a choir could have a different mix um, individually. It's really, really excellent um, way to run things. So um, the last thing on this is, is you typically, if, you, if you're having trouble understanding how the signal flows through your system, there, there's typically one of these block diagrams uh, in your manual, in your, in your uh, board. And it's really helpful just to kind of learn, and I know it's a little bit of a geeky way of doing things, but uh, just to kind of learn what all is affecting that signal path as it's going through the system. So uh, again, we, we've already kind of gone through these things. So it's like where you plug it in, you have your gain knob, uh, your equalizers right there, your faders, your, and the way it sends out from there to all your different auxiliary uh, places and that sort of thing. So um, if you see one of these, that's what that is, is a block diagram just to help you understand um, what all you're looking at. So 
Any questions about all that stuff? That was the throw lots of information at you. Digest it. So somebody talked to me. Um, what what are some of the, the constant struggles you have in your in your with your sound team? Or as a sound guy, what, what are some things you, you constantly are battling? Uh, you feel like you're having to kind of fight against a lot. We all have them. My biggest problem is, is getting people to volunteer. <laughs> yeah? We've got a lot of older people, and the sound booth is up these steep steps, you know, and so it, it's hard to get people. It seems like as soon as I get somebody trained, uh, they end up going off to school or something, yeah. you know. So that's, that's been kind of, but I, I, I don't know if you can help me with that in this class, but yeah. <laughs> that's my biggest problem. Well, so, I will say, so I, I was the worship pastor at a, um, at a church for about five years before I came on staff to the mission board. And um, one of the best things that I did was, was cross-train on my musicians. Um, and I offered like a master class, um, once in the fall, once in the spring. Um, and I, and I, I brought in a guy and I taught a class one time or a couple times. And, uh, I, and I really kind of asked all my, I didn't make them, but I asked all my musicians to learn audio for one of the reasons that you're, you're kind of talking about just... So we're all speaking the same language. So if the sound guy gets in the monitor and says, hey, the direct box isn't working, grab a different one. We're like, what's a direct box? I don't know what that is. Uh, and so just having a, a bit of a knowledge of, but what ends up happening is you'll get some of your best audio guys um, volunteering out of your out of your musician pool. And, and I know, then you're stealing from Paul to Peter, whatever that phrase is. Um, but... Um, you again, it's a musician's <laughs> ear. You have to know it sounds good, and so, uh, and so if you have a rotation of guitar players or a drummer or something like that, that that has the, the musical ear that that has some sort of technical ability, they might end up being a really great sound guy. You can that can kind of kickstart a, oh well, oh yeah, well she just sits in the the sanctuary all the time and she's a great musician. Let's bring her up and train her. Um, that kind of building this. Uh, um, Disarming like an uh, an over ownership piece because uh, I've experienced a lot of churches that have the sound guy that's been there for thirty years uh, saying no 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 you don't touch it this is the way I've always done it um, and I, I I like to disarm that as much as possible and say now this whole again the, the whole point of this booth is to serve the congregation so we're going to train a lot of people to do this we're going to um, we're going to try to get the whole team involved and uh, and create a, a bit of um, a camaraderie around that. So again, I, I I can even come do a class at your church and, and, and do that. I would love to do that. So um, we can talk about that later. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. What else? What about age of equipment? Like, what about like? Do you guys have you all ever felt the need to purchase new stuff and and say like this isn't working well? This doesn't sound good. Um, is there is there a tension there in your churches? For us, this I'm having to choose which to do. <clears throat> so this year I'm I'm doing ten thousand dollars on lighting. Mm. Not much of anything's going to happen on the mix. I want a digital board, mm. but I can't do both. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the cost is pretty prohibitive. Yeah. Um, we have a pretty nice system. I've had that on the board for uh, probably seven years. Before that, they had a Mackie for like 20, mm-hmm. you know, all those kind of deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to go digital, but 
I barely got guys who can use the analog board now with the big faders and the knobs to start going to that thing right there. They they would never be able to manage it. And, and my budget's only a few grand a year, so yeah, you know it's it's tough. Yeah, no doubt. So that particular console is only twenty four hundred bucks, um, and it is a solid unit. I've seen very large churches using that exact console, and it works serves them well. Um, the uh, and as far as the learning factor, I think you'd be I, they would you'd have an initial resistance, but I think you'd be surprised at how well people find uh, how much easier people find that. Especially if if they own iPhones, they can probably figure this out. Um, and it would be an initial like, whoa, that thing's scary. Uh, but as soon as you kind of see it done a couple times, see how it's laid out, like connect the dots from like, okay, remember how this was over here? All you gotta do is hit this, and it does this. Um, and then you're you're gonna get a lot more consistency too, which I know again we're, we're kind of dealing with, with cost more than anything. But um, uh, one of the one of the hijackers of of, of sound systems is special events, weddings, funerals, that sort of thing. Um, when when a, somebody else brings in their own person, they come in and change everything, right? Um, and with a digital console, I gotta I come in on Sunday morning, hit recall Sunday service. Everything's back. Exactly. I mean, here's a. I saved a, a little thing earlier. You just hit scenes, and you select the you know the one you want, and hit recall. Recall. Are you sure you want to do that? Yep. That was really loud. Sorry about that. Um, but it it throws every it, it puts everything exactly how it was earlier. Uh, I, had, I for my illustration, turned my speakers up all the way. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so it, it puts everything exactly how, I mean, it, that's not just my fader levels. That's like my auxes, how I had those, my gain levels where I had those, my EQs are exactly where I had all of those. So, so you can freely say, yeah, come in, do your, do your funeral or do your, do your wedding. You change anything you want to change. That's fine. Great. Cool. Boom. Hit recall. You're back to Sunday just like that. And it really is, uh, I'm not here to sell anything. I'm just saying, I, I know the struggles of ministry and that is one of them. That is so frustrating to get there on Sunday morning and see that everything has changed. And you, it just ruins your day. Like, that is a day ruiner for me. Um, and that, that is a ministry ruiner for me, like, just on a Sunday morning. That is, uh, it's tough. So. Now, we, when we went from analog to digital, we had a consultant come in and set everything up. And it's actually been a lot easier for the guys. I mean, mostly it's on the faders now. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it really makes things that are that have always been very technical in nature, very visual. So like in EQ, you can see that chart, and you can see the, where the frequencies are bouncing behind it and say, oh, I can touch right there, pull that down, and it changes the EQ. It, it's like, it just makes sense, you know? It's, for instance, in the fact that you can walk around with an iPad and mix from all over the room, I can mix the choir monitors from the choir loft, like, uh, game changer. I mean, it is a game changer. So, um, the, a lot of these consoles have uh, individual apps for, for like iPhones. So like, everyone, I set up for um, National Hills Baptist in in, um, in Augusta. I set up uh, a similar console to this, where but I, but I also set up where the band has an iPhone app on their phone. Every single one of them, um, and they just pull up their iPhone app and adjust their 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 levels. And all the channels are labeled on there, like. Uh, Nick's guitar, uh, Danny's voice, and whatever, and so you just go through and do, 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 do. They set up their mix, and it sounds perfect to them. You know, if they if they want to change something, go for it. 
Um, but here, so like, here's one of the, here's one of the, the, here's a demo version of one of the ones that I use. So it has all the channels laid out side by side. And so if I wanted to select something, I just hit the bank of channels that I want. Um, mic one, hit that button. There's my dynamics and I can come over here. Uh, the EQ, I mean, I literally, like here's our spectrum. So 20 Hertz to 20 K right there. If I wanted to adjust a little bit on the low mid, I go boop, I can, pull it out and just make that adjustment a little bit wider, just exactly how I want to. So I mean, it's, um, it's again, just if you're, if you've used an iPhone or iPad or something like that, it's, it's really not a terrible learning curve. Um, so just, just something to consider. Make it hard to go back to the analog board uh, this Sunday after seeing all this. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about being able to sit, sit in the pews with my wife and mix the I do that all the time. Yeah. I mix. I mix the worship service, worship portion. I'm gonna be all close to the fingers because it, it's nice to be able to just grab that, grab this quickly, adjust all that stuff. But during the sermon, I mean, she sits kind of like right over there, and yeah, right around a couple. The from yeah. The booth or and so I'm, I'm, I just walk over there with the iPad in my lap, and I have my Bible over here, my iPad right there, and I'm just. Yeah, that'd be nice. That's cool. Um, yeah, for sure. What about speakers? Like, what do you, what do you guys? Um, do you feel like your speakers cover your room well? Do you do you feel like they have a good sound to them? Um, like if you played a, a just a, a track off of iTunes or something, does it does it sound great? The speakers I like, the room I disdain. Is it? We've got a bowling alley. We we've extended three times. And and so now the room is just lengthwise or widthwise. Lengthwise, yeah, and it's just terrible. And and two with communication with the soundboard. If me and Jim, sound guy, if if he's not on mic and we're not, we're either yelling at each other, which is not a good which study. is not a good feeling, <laughs> or just not understanding what e each other is needing. Yeah, that's a frustration. Because uh, it's it's literally a football field. But we've got nice JBLs, and um, I don't like the array. And again, that long—I don't know if there's a fix on that. Where right now, a, a, a it's kind of a cluster. Uh, it's array. <coughs> Excuse me, array. Then we got um, um, four bows in the back section mm -hmm. to further it on out. Yeah. But. Um, not a great. I, I've seen if we were a taller uh, worship center, uh, I, I think the the where you have the speakers in a straight line, mm -hmm. I think that would be nice. Uh, but we're, we're feels like a trailer after we're 100 yards. So back. is it is it where it's like much louder in the front of the room than it is in the back of the room? Yes, and and uh, we have we have. A, a lot of feedback issues mm -hmm. because it's a lot of flat surface, a lot of long halls. Mm. <clears throat> I'm really curious what your room looks like. Do y'all have windows uh, on the side or, or you got blank walls on the side? I mean, what do you got on the sides? Uh, there, there are 14 windows on the side. Because uh, like I said, it it's three times longer than it started out as. Now, 14 on each side or seven on each side? Seven on each side, yeah. Sorry. And between the windows, it's just like 
What do you got? Block walls? Uh, no, it's a new sheet rock. Sheet rock. <laughs> that's, that's better a, than block. Yeah. It's better than block. I've had, yeah. I've had brick and block. That's that is yeah. a tough room. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> Just don't do like a brick background on your platform where it's like a cool looking brick. It's like, no, this should be extra, extra slap back. Uh, yeah. So you have a, so you do have a, a JBL line array system? Yeah. Cool. That's better than average, for sure. I wonder if you got some more speakers for the back half, you know? Delay system. It sounds like that's what the Bose speakers are doing. That's kind of what they're doing, but there's not a delay. There's not a delay? I don't, I don't believe so. I, I may be wrong, but because I, I can go through the room and I hear a difference depending on where I am. Interesting. Yeah, it should be in the system manager, which is like a like a, a digital signal processor, which is should be in, in your amp rack. If there's like a, a an equipment room that has yeah, um, part of the stuff I never see, right? Yeah, <laughs> that room I'm where it has a bunch of fans and yeah. like just yeah. two knobs in the front of it. Um, there's a processor in there that that kind of digitally handles all of that stuff. Okay. Uh, and so what it would do is is branch off the main signal um, to your main speakers. Uh, a, 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 it would you have subwoofers as well? Uh, we have, uh, you talking about the, the big, big boom, boom thing? Yeah. yeah, there's a thing there, <laughs> like where it's placed. Uh, so what it does is it takes that signal. Very disgruntled guy, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, you know? Take that signal and, and it, it EQs it in a way that it's only going it's only going to give that low, those low frequencies to the subwoofer. But then it should branch it off, the main signal off, and delay it. The There's an equation you do for like the distance from this speaker to this speaker. Uh, and there's a, a millisecond delay that should be there, something like you know 47 milliseconds. Um, that would, you know, if the, so that when a sound comes out of this one, it's delayed just long enough to it sounds like it's all time aligned. It's all time, yeah, it's all time aligned. So if, if it's not aligned, if you made a, a really percussive sound, like if you snapped into a microphone, you would hear it twice. Put it up. No, we're not that bad. Okay. Yeah. It, that it, so a lot of times people, people don't time delay their lobby speakers, um, and so when you're walking in from the sanctuary, you hear it, you hear a, a like a front of the room sound, but it's like you're way back here. Like the the church we had last week in Jonesboro, they have amazing production. Uh, I mean, they spent a million and a half dollars on their AVL stuff for the church. Insane! It sounds so good in there. Everything's amazing. But he did time delay is is uh, uh, being recorded right now. Um, didn't time delay his his uh, entrance speakers. So like when you when you're walking from the the, the bathroom okay, yeah. and you go to the like where the doors are, you hear a very you hear the sound here before it hits the door. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so it's it is like a, it's a bizarre like acoustic um, psychoacoustic thing where it's like your your head's messing with you because it's like uh, is it there is it over there I can't tell. Um, so, anyways, that's that's what that's for. A lot. So, and the reason I'm asking these questions is I, I I've probably been to 300 Baptist churches in the state of Georgia, and um, maybe not that many, but it's been a lot of them. And I, I just find the these same kind of recurring things where like the price of a digital console is getting where it's like very affordable, very manageable if you plan for it and you kind of get there. You, you get there with it within a couple of years. Um, Speakers are always a um, 
undervalued investment. Um, and so it, the way I always try to explain it is, do you have a nice grand piano in your church? Like, is, is it, have, you, have you ever played a Steinway and, and like felt how good that, that or heard how wide the, the, the warm, the low end of that piano is and how clear the top end is? Um, like the, the materials they build those instruments with matter a lot. The, the craftsmanship that goes into making that in a certain dimension matters a lot. Um, in just the same way, a speaker cabinet is very much an instrument. And so the way that it reproduces sound is based on the engineering and the, and the materials used. And it's not just stick a thing up there that's making noise. Um, it, it, you have to buy a really good sounding piece of equipment um, that's taking all this musical information that you're giving it uh, and, and dispersing it evenly and without the harsh tendencies of it. Um, so I've, I've just seen a lot of churches that will spend a lot of money on getting their, you know, their, their mixer right, but will ignore their, their speakers. Um, and, and that's a, that's a, I would do the opposite. I would buy new speakers before I buy a new console because you can make an analog sound, console sound great with some good speakers. So, anyways, that's that. Um, what, what else? So fighting feedback. I've heard, I've heard that a couple times. What, what? Give me some scenarios where feedback happens in your church. In our church, in our sanctuary, we've only been in it for maybe six years now. I, I forget. Uh, it seems like forever, but I think it's only been about six years. So we have a fairly new system. And our guys that we had that designed the system, laid out the system, we all work closely together. In the blueprints, there were these, this line of uh, speakers here in the apron, just over the choir mics. And I'm like, dude, don't put those there. We're going to get feedback. I'm like, oh, no, 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 this is great. This is going to work. I'm like, in principle, it doesn't work. I don't understand. So we went ahead and rolled with that because I'm just a sound guy. And that's what we have. They're the engineer. Yeah, yeah. That's what we have. That's what we have. Uh, I can't use those speakers at all. But those are uh, choir monitors? Yeah, well, like top choir monitors? Yeah. I think that's what they were designed to be. But uh, I've cut them out as much as I can considering the way the the digital amp and, and how it pushes everything out, but those choir uh, loft mics are the that's the worst, and they're behind our main, so it's not like that's a problem. But they that's if I get any feedback, that's where they're from. And I really can't push them hard enough. I, I wish I could push them more. But what kind of choir mics are you using? I think they're uh, AKGs. Are they like on the little boom, like boom, no, they're, they're they're just, they're they're yeah. yeah, those are. I find this more difficult because you really don't have a lot of proximity adjustment. Right. You can't put them closer to the group. Um, the, I, I've had a lot of luck with the um, um, microboom, Audix microbooms. Yeah. Um, they're these, um, these little skinny black, um, um, let me pull the picture really quick. Um, <coughs> they, uh, these are actually pretty, um, pretty miraculous little microphones. Um, I could put them on a piano, they sound great. I can put them on a string section, they sound great. I can put them on acoustic guitar, a mandolin, that sounds great. Um, but they're meant for, for choir. Um, I think I've seen them, and I was looking at getting some the front of my choir since the way that my uh, stuff hangs. I don't always cover all of them. Yeah, I've seen those, those are great. So the, the microphone is just this tiny little capsule right here um, 
don't know if you can see that. But it's it literally that's that's all it is. And the rest of it's a, basically a cable extension um, where um, you can you can get really. I mean, so it's like a really it's a very very light system where um, I can still suspend over a choir if I want to. Um, but you, you ba they're basically see-through. So um, for like Sons of Jubal and that kind of thing, I use them all the time uh, because they just they. You can buy a very narrow uh, pattern microphone, or you can have a very wide pattern microphone. Um, the wider the, the pattern, the more susceptible of feedback you're going to be. Um, but what I do with those, and that's how I fight um, feedback with with it really well, is that um, if you go like so, if, if this light right here is that speaker that's pointed at, at my uh, at my choir over here. I'm going to go right here. I'm going to put the back end of that microphone at that, and this is going to point the exact in line with that. And what that's going to do is basically reject any sound that's coming from behind it. Um, you still can't put any of that source into the choir monitor just because that it. When when you think about speaker placement, think about it like it, it's a it's a light, um, like a flashlight. So if you if you had a really high power flashlight. Um, and the further you go away, the more it's going to spread out and get wider and less specific. Um, the, the further, if it's on your ceiling, it's going to hit the walls and the, uh, um, all these different spaces and really kind of create a lot of extra um, sound we don't want. Um, but if you can get closer to it, you can, first of all, you can turn the volume down a tremendous amount um, so you're not pushing a lot of sound around the room. Um, so if those choir monitors can get closer, uh, you get that, that advantage, but I can also manipulate angle of where my microphone is compared to the speaker. Does that make sense? So I agree with you, but you just have to be, I think you're just going to have to be really picky about what you put in there. Oh yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't put the choir in, in any kind of monitoring system whatsoever that comes back to the choir. I've got some, I've got some floor monitors that I threw in the loft because right. I couldn't run anything else through. But then you're hitting the front row really hard and the back row can't hear? No, I got them halfway in. <laughs> okay, there you go. I'm getting them both. I'm <laughs> both but, uh, so we've got, that, we've got that going on. But earlier you asked, what, what kind of fight are you fighting? Biggest, and, and, and just brought it to mind when you said Sons of Jubal. I did audio for them at our church a few years back. And they came in and said, man, these monitors are like turned up to 20. I'm like, yeah, that's my choir. And, and, and a lot of them are older and not saying, Anything, but they're older, and uh, we can't hear. We can't hear. We can't hear the music. We can't hear anything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can. It's really loud because I can pull the mains down, and I can still run this service with your monitors. Yeah. So that's that's the fight that I thought. Yeah. 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 I was helping a lady. Um, she's a choir director in um, North Georgia, and I mean, she asked me to come in and help there. Sound. They were preparing for Christmas, and a guy came in like October, November, one of the rehearsals for that, um, and. It's just like, we just can't, they're just saying they can't hear very well in the congregation. And I walked back there and like, as they're rehearsing, I just literally turned the, the mains off and nothing changed. Right, yeah. Nothing changed because the, the monitors are just so loud. And so just as a sound guy, um, his job is to serve the congregation and kind of be behind the scenes and selfless about all that stuff. Um, I, I have to preach to choirs a lot to do as little as you can. It's not going to be your Bose headphones blasting in your head. You're not going to hear that well, period. you got to accept that fact and say, okay, we're going to turn that down as little as we can so that we can serve our congregation. Um, and, and that's got to, that can't necessarily come from you. That's got to come from a, a music minister. But yeah. like, if you can communicate that way, that well to your music minister in a way that 
he can kind of champion that effort. Um, make it that his fault, not yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, but that is the biggest, um, that's the biggest issue that we have. We have a nice salary ring. We have a JBL uh, array and, and the uh, 18 subs up there. And cool. All that, man. I mean, it's, I've run concerts, so there's a great salary ring, but um, those little things like that, that uh, just drive me nuts. And, and finding volunteers, I can't get anybody to do it. I've got three guys. I had four for a few years, and one's gone. And I can't get anybody else in. They just, they will volunteer. It's not hard. It's really not. Yeah. One Sunday a month. One Sunday a month. Come on, you can go. One Sunday a month. <laughs> Where's your church? Waynesboro. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have any college campuses nearby? Uh, Waynesboro is closer to Augusta, right? Yeah, we, we don't have anything. We have a um, Augusta Tech campus, but I mean, that's mostly local guys anyway. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, no real colleges uh, within 30 minutes, so. Yeah, yeah I, I always use my youth ministry as a, as a farming ground for, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry, you're about to see pictures of my family. Um, I always use youth ministry as a, as a farming ground for that kind of thing. and. Um, <laughs> kids pick it up like that. I mean, um, how, how, how long have you been doing all this stuff? Uh, three years. So how old are you? 20. Yeah. So you started when you were 17? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, it just, I mean, in my experience, those are the guys I'm like, you pick it up like that, learn it, knock it out of the park. Those are my video guys, man. I'm like, I got 15 year olds up there saying, hey, come on, man. You know, learn how to run these slides, learn how to run this yeah. system. And, but so again, like those master classes, I don't know what it is, but it like it's it's like a tricky. I'm like it's like I'm tricking people into running sound because like I'm just asking my band to learn, but just invite a couple extra people, you know. And it's like because there's a critical mass of like band guys there, it's like oh okay, that's actually kind of cool. Uh, and you, if you can just get a couple extra folks there, um, you'll get you'll. I mean, I typically walked away with two or three more volunteers, which is. You may double it. Come and teach a master class. I got, do it. I got some kids, so uh, you can you can do it. And advertise. I mean, just have your pass your advertiser or whatever. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that. It, kids want to get involved, and I think that's a cool way to do it. Um, so, and, and people think they have to have expertise in it already, but like just, I mean, if you advertise in a way that's like, do you know how to turn the volume up on your iPhone? Okay, we can, we can work with that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's, um, so, yeah. What else? Anything else? Anything that I, I kind of breezed through? I mean, I blew through all that stuff. Um, any of that didn't make sense that we could, I can clarify or anything? No? You got it all now. <laughs> cool. Well, Happy to discuss anything else. I, please know that I mean, as a as a staff member of the mission board, my job is to serve your churches. So I'm, please let me know if I can ever come and, and help. And I travel the whole state and do this kind of stuff, do contemporary worship stuff, and uh, and glad to help in any way I can. Okay. Yeah.